May the words of my mouth and the imagination of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. All along my faith journey, there's been a spiritual practice that's been particularly helpful to me, and it's one that's called Ignatian Contemplation. Now, St. Ignatian was uh, an individual who had a really profound, transformative conversion experience, and after he did, he really wanted other people to have powerful experiences to bring them closer to God and to know God's love. And so he, he wrote a book of spiritual practices, and one of those practices we call contemplation. This is basically how it works. Um, you take uh, a Bible story, really any Bible story, but I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about specifically what works in just a second, and you insert yourself into the story, usually as one of the characters, although I've heard people doing this as part of the scenery and other things as well. Doing so, inserting yourself into a story using your active imagination allows us to use all of our senses to really get a sense of what is going on in the scene. As we engage in this process of contemplation, we spend time with Jesus in a more intimate way than a plain reading of the text. And this practice actually can lead to quite profound transformation. I'm gonna commend it to you as a practice. I'm gonna talk about it just a little bit more, and then we're actually gonna try to do it a little bit as we go through this gospel. Now, some passages in the Gospels are easier or lend themselves more readily to Ignatian contemplation. Um, they work best when there's a lot of characters, um, some action, there's some scenery changes, and Jesus is interacting with someone. Entering into the practice, if you were going to go home and do this, you would read through a story twice, then you would close your eyes and you would use your imagination to imagine yourself as a character in the scene. And ultimately, at the, you go through that process, you would take some time to have an intimate conversation with Jesus. Now, our gospel lesson today, as strange as it is, um, is actually a pretty good one for Ignatian contemplation. The details are disturbing on several levels, as you heard. We encounter a man who's been possessed by multiple demons, a bunch of pigs die, and Jesus is sent away after he does God's good work. And as we walk through this story a bit more this morning, I want you to try to imagine yourself, this will be hard for some of you, what it would be like to be that man who's called Legion. If you were Legion in this story, what is it that you see? What is it that you hear? What do you feel? And What's it like to be you before your encounter with Jesus? And what's it like to be you after your encounter with Jesus? Now, just before we meet up with Legion in this narrative, Jesus had been on a boat, sleeping. And a storm rose and the frightened disciples awake Jesus and say, Lord, we're perishing, do something. Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. He gets up and he rebukes the wind and the, and the storm and the seas, and there's calm, and there's a moment of peace. And in the moment of peace, the disciples who were just terrified of the storm are now amazed and afraid of Jesus, and they ask the question, who then is this, that even the waves and the wind obey him? Who then is this? Now, just after the wind and waves are calmed, as they're on the boat in the Sea of Galilee, they arrive in an area that's southeast you're looking here, over here, of 
Galilee, in modern-day Jordan, and this is the land of the Gerasenes, um, and generally, everything on that side of the Jordan River is the land of the Gentiles, right? Those who are not part of the Jewish faith. And as soon as he stepped out on the land, a man of the city who had demons met him. There's a hint, I think, in Luke's telling of this story that this person, who we learn is afflicted by many demons, comes to meet Jesus as soon as Jesus' foot touches the ground. Think about that for a second. This poor soul who, for a long time, has gone without any clothing and occupying a tombs rather than a home, staying away from his friends and family outside of the community. He comes to Jesus. Jesus doesn't go to him. He comes, he falls down on the ground, and he yells, What have you to do with me? Jesus, son of the most high God, I beg you not to torment me. You see, he immediately knows who Jesus is and recognizes the power of God within him. So here we are in the land of the Gentiles, the people who don't know about the Jewish Messiah, those outside of that faith, encountering and recognizing who Jesus is, and then ultimately telling others about him. Luke, more than any of the other three Gospels, wants us to understand Jesus' love and concern for the poor, for women, and for those outside of the religious establishment. God is willing to go to any lengths to bring all people to right relationship with God and with each other. All right, back to our narrative for today. Why does this guy ask Jesus not to torment him? Hasn't he been tormented by these demons all of this time? We learned that even chains cannot withstand his intense behavior. Other people cannot seem to help him. His whole life is dictated by forces that are out of his control. Now, during the first century, and I would argue that in today's world, our society, people who have atypical behavior are usually ostracized. They live in shame and are usually alone. Jesus will not allow this man to continue to be tormented. And as he prepares to heal and restore him, he asks for his name. The demons that possess him reply, legion, for many demons had entered him. And I think there's a sense here that this is not just a large number, but perhaps an army. That word legion in this time and place in the first century has a particular meaning. It represents a unit of about 6,000 Roman soldiers. They had military occupation of the land. So this story then takes on now a political significance. Not only can Jesus cast out demons, but ultimately God has authority over all the oppressive forces of empire. Now the demons beg not to be sent back to the abyss, we get a, scent, a clue that that's where they had come from. And so they're sent into a herd of pigs, which promptly run down a steep hill and drowned in the lake. It's some dark humor here, I think, but we're not going to spend much time there. You all remember that pigs are, of course, unclean in a Jewish society. And so this is a reminder again that we're in Gentile territory. This is pretty bad news for pig farmers. They run and they grab a bunch of people from the country and the city and they tell them what's happened and then everybody comes to see what's going on. 
So in a reversal of the status quo, the way that things were, this poor man who was tortured, living in fear and isolation, after Legion encounters Jesus, he regains his faculties, and now it's the swineherds and the other people who are experiencing overwhelming fear of what Jesus has done. The community responds with fear so intense that Jesus has no choice but to leave. Now, the man tries to remain with Jesus, but instead he's sent back to his home, his own house. He will need to be the one to tell the Gerasenes the story of God's saving work. Throughout this whole narrative, you and I are invited to consider what keeps us from sitting at Jesus' feet, clothed and in our right mind. Jesus has the power to save us from such destructive forces as he has authority over everything that sets itself to destroy or to corrupt life. There are so many people in the world and likely some of us here in this room today who are paralyzed by a difficult past or by painful memories. There are people who live in our community who do not live in homes but live near tombs. People who are improperly clothed because their social and economic outcome seems to be beyond their control. Jesus comes into our lives today, just as he arrived on the land, the Gerasenes, overcoming every force that keeps us from living a full and free life. Every power that prevents us from living out our existence as one of God's beloved children. Those of us who've been healed, forgiven, and saved by Jesus know the power of his liberating love. Now, the gospel doesn't end with a man being healed. The story continues with Legion proclaiming throughout his city how much Jesus has done for him. And just as Jesus sends the man to proclaim the story of God's power and love, we too are given the same charge. So my brothers and sisters, the question for us today is how will we go from this place telling the story of all that God has done for us. Let's pray. Gracious Lord Jesus, we thank you that you exercise your power over all the destructive forces that would keep us from right relationship with you and with one another. Lord, open up our hearts and minds to experience your healing. Help us to sit at your feet so that we can continue to learn from you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.